This is Alex Pearson. One of the things we've seen, unfortunately, over the past years is a rise in uh, anti-Asian racism linked to the pandemic uh, and concerns being risen uh, around uh, people's loyalties. I want to make everyone understand fully. Tan Dong is an outstanding member of our team and suggestions that uh, he is uh, somehow not loyal to Canada should not be entertained. We're into the racist card part of the scandal. And a good morning to you, Alex Pearson, with you on this Tuesday, February 28th. And we uh, round out the month of February. Went fast, went very quick, and uh, here we go. Very eventful these last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, the Prime Minister, as you hear, the new line of attack that those asking questions about his MP being a Chinese loyalist is uh, anti-Asian hate. I would consider having Chinese police stations, you know, torturing and uh, bullying our Chinese Canadians a little bit more, you know, uh, something that the Prime Minister would want to look at. But no, he'd rather use the race card to um, stifle a conversation. And he's still refusing an independent investigation into several claims of electoral interference in both 2019 and the 2021 election. And he's still insisting that his government's going to investigate itself using this committee hearing that will not be able to look at classified material and has already refused testimony from those who have been briefed by CSIS on national security. And he made clear he is standing by his MP, alleged to be one of 11 candidates funded by Chinese consulate back in the 2019 election for the riding of Don Valley North. And Global News, as you uh, know, the reports say that the prime minister's office had been alerted about their concerns on this candidate, but those concerns were ignored. And Trudeau refused to say if he had been warned and instead turned the question into an attack on CSIS. In a free democracy, it is not up to unelected security officials to dictate to political parties who can or cannot run. That's a really important principle. We, of course, draw on the expertise every step of the way. But the suggestions we've seen in the media that CSIS would somehow say, no, this person can't run or that person can't run, is not just false, it's actually damaging to people's uh, confidence in our democratic and political institutions. Mm -hmm. No one said CSIS had or should have a hand in the decision making. The report says CSIS raised concerns at the highest level of the prime minister's office. Those are two different things. And Trudeau refuses to answer. He also refused to confirm it was he who signed off on this particular nomination but has made clear he is standing by his MP. Dong, the uh, MP in question, denies all of these allegations. And Trudeau, as you heard, said entertaining whatever Sam Cooper's um, reporting is not just wrong, but damaging. Kind of like, you know, when the Globe and Mail was wrong about SNC. You know, his former advisor and best friend, Gerald Butts, was attacking the Globe and Mail, calling them juvenile on Friday. And now he has flip-flopped his position and now he, too, is calling for an independent inquiry. So all of a sudden, I guess the news is no longer fake to him. I assure you, any kind of investigative uh, or legal in-depth reporting like this goes through a lot of layers of sourcing. 
I've had to do it a lot, and it's not fun. And so when it would come to anything that Sam Cooper has done, trust me, his work would go through layer upon layer upon layer of lawyers and executives and news directors, and then it would go through it again. Because, you know, allegations like this, like electoral interference with an enemy regime, that stuff doesn't just get reported. Like, what newsroom is taking on that risk? They're not. So those things don't go to air without several layers of fact-checking and sourcing. So for the prime minister to insinuate you know, that Cooper is lying, is a page right out of Donald Trump's playbook. You know, malign the mainstream media, give him cover. If the prime minister has nothing to hide, he should put his money where his mouth is and just lay it all out in this independent inquiry, except for he's insisting now that will undermine democracy. I mean, if the media is wrong, prove it. I mean, while he's so determined to hunt out the CSIS, you know, informants, Spilling his secrets. I, who's to say this is even coming from Canada? Our Five Eye partners have all of this information. Maybe they're leaking it. Maybe they feel so sorry for us. They're just saying, here, we'll just give it to you because you guys aren't doing anything about this. I mean, Lord knows every day we wake up and there's something new. Today, uh, the Globe and Mail reporting. Well, it's not really a no, an unknown chapter, but it's the chapter we call follow the dollar, right? I say that a lot because when you follow the dollar, it reveals that once Justin Trudeau became the leader of the Liberal Party back in 2013, the Chinese government became very, very charitable all of a sudden with the Trudeau Foundation, which saw foreign donations go up from $53 million in 2014 to $535 million by 2016. That's not bad, eh? The Globe reports CSIS captured conversations back in 2014 revealing China's absolute determination to get rid of Stephen Harper because according to China, red is good. Blue is bad. So, yeah, I say follow the dollar. It's always the way it leads you to your answers. So we'll see what comes out today. Because chances are something else will come out today. This is Alex Pearson, Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. It is extremely important, as you say, that Canadians see that this is open, transparent, nonpartisan, independent, because we're all concerned and worried about our elections integrity. And that's why we have put in place mechanisms, why we continue to see hearings on this in parliamentary committee, why we continue to be open and transparent. Because yes, openness and transparency is, transparency is extraordinarily important. Mm-hmm. Well, despite all the uh, calls for an independent inquiry, uh, Justin Trudeau firmly against it, arguing that he's got this uh, committee looking into this. And uh, the tools he says he's got is this task force that was put together during the 29 election. But we know that Aaron O'Toole's campaign brought issues to this panel and nothing was done according to their team. And the committee now studying this is and so far has refused to allow top level liberals uh, from testifying and classified documents apparently cannot be viewed uh, within this particular um, format. So there's a limit as to what can be looked into and growing concerns that unless it is truly independent, this will be. Nothing more than a, a partisan fight to score political points, and it will further drive, you know, distrust. Let me bring Duff Conacher into this conversation, co-founder of Democracy Watch. Good to have you on, Duff. I haven't talked to you in a while. No, indeed. Thank you very much. Hope all is well. 
Well, we've been um, we've talked about this a few times as we've kind of watched the drip, drip, drip come out over this. Um, on Monday, Trudeau said that a public inquiry is not necessary because you know it will undermine democracy. We would just be playing into China's hands. Um, you, you say what? Well, I don't think a public inquiry is necessarily needed if the Commissioner of Canada Elections does her job properly, and Democracy Watch has filed a complaint with her today. Uh, if the House committee that is currently holding hearings does its job properly, and if the uh, National Security Committee, committee of Parliamentarians also does its job properly. We're paying all these people already. They have full investigative powers, all of them. They are would be able to get at any document uh, as much as any inquiry would. And we're already paying them. So we don't need an inquiry if they do their jobs properly, investigate fully, get all the key information out, and issue public reports with that key info and recommendations for changes to strengthen the system, which uh, were not made strong enough in, in the 2018 bill that the Liberals put through. Yeah, the key word is if, if they do it properly. The, the problem is, as you know, is everything is so partisan and, and even the Prime Minister himself in trying to you know, deflect on this has pulled out all these partisan attacks when he's, he's the one raising them. And so, you know, given there's such division in this country on that, there can't be, as I see it, um, an impartial uh, investigation the way this particular committee is set up. Right now, the um, Liberals have more members on it than you've got the NDP who are backing them, and they've already said that they won't allow people like Katie Telford to testify. So I think as as people see that, unless you can actually take this out of the hands of the current players, I don't see how it can be seen as impartial or getting it done. Mm. But uh, people should remember that the Prime Minister chooses in the inquiry commissioner or commissioners if there was an inquiry. So how is that less partisan? It's, well, it's just again, not... Well, again, this is all the... I think you, I, you raise a good point, is I think a lot of people will start wondering, well, who like who is um, you know actually defending the democracy? Because if you're just filing a complaint now with a commissioner, because there's, there's Elections Canada, then there's the commissioner, they're, like, they're separate bodies. You know, Elections Canada didn't learned this until Sam Cooper reported it before Christmas. And the commissioner, you know, if they've got to be requested to look into this, I mean, why are they not more proactive? Because as the oh, allegations have been out for a while. They uh, may be. Uh, the commissioner may be looking into it already, but the commissioner won't confirm or deny an investigation. But by filing a request and also a request for a public report at the end of the investigation, uh, we're forcing the commissioner to issue that public report essentially. Because the commissioner, it's a new commissioner, but the old commissioner had a practice of um, issuing a, a, a letter of, of response to any complainant uh, when an investigation was concluded. And so hopefully that would continue in this case. Um, the Again, though, an inquiry would not have the power to look at anything more than mm -hmm. anyone else. Uh, a, a committee can subpoena a witness. It really is up to the NDP. If the NDP wants an inquiry, then they can continue to block the committee and essentially force Trudeau's hand because they have a legislative agreement right now and they could force Trudeau's hand to call an inquiry. But I don't see a reason why the committee can't be asking these questions. Um, yes, they're partisan, but they do in the end ask all the essential questions from, from coming from one party or another. Uh, of anyone they, they ask to appear, and they can subpoena documents as well. And it's a contempt of parliament to refuse to disclose those documents.
Yeah, and uh, the position of Jagmeet Singh now is that he is pushing for an independent uh, investigation. But again, we've seen top talk is cheap. He does have the power to uh, pull support, but we'll see where he'll go with this. You know, um, in your complaint, what is your, uh, as you look at this, because we've had weigh-in from, um, you know, Richard um, Fadden from the former head of CSIS. We've had the um, commission, the former commissioner of the elections uh, weigh-in. What's your greatest concern uh, outlined in, in your letter? Well, essentially, the Canada Elections Act prohibits collusion between third parties and and uh, uh, candidates or parties. Um, also, you you can't make donations on behalf of someone else. You can't funnel money through someone else. Uh, you can't uh, be colluding to support uh, parties and and candidates. Uh, the Bill C seventy six didn't actually made things worse by doubling the spending limits for third parties. Those are individuals or outside groups trying to influence candidates or parties. It weakened the rules that allow for, and in ways that allow for more false claims. Uh, and, uh, but these things are illegal in terms of donating foreign money, using foreign money uh, in an election campaign uh, as a third party. And so that's what we've highlighted uh, as the likely uh, violations, according to the uh, media reports that have been made so far by Global News and, and the Globe and Mail uh, based on CSIS sources. So uh, there are several violations possible out of this situation. Yeah, I mean, one of the concerns raised today is certainly reported by the Globe and Mail, and it's not new at the National Post a couple of years ago laid out kind of, um, you know, the donations to to um, Trudeau when he became the leader of the Trudeau Foundation, um, where you have this money from $53 million and it spiked up a lot. The suggestion being that there was money going in being donated by foreign um, interests, in this case, China. And there's concern over the person now writing the report about electoral, um, you know, disinformation and or interference, a guy named Morris Rosenberg, because he was the head of the Trudeau Foundation. Um, you know, their, their suggestion is that he's not impartial enough to do, you know, a proper report on electoral reform if he was, you know, in, you know involved in the Trudeau Foundation. No, very much so. He's not independent in any way. He was chosen by Trudeau's cabinet. As well, the whole panel that is supposed mm -hmm. to be enforcing this protocol and reporting to candidates and parties about interference and the public, the panel is all chosen by Trudeau. They all serve at his pleasure. They're all deputy ministers, assistant deputy ministers. There's no independence in what the Trudeau Liberals set up in 2018, 2019. Uh, there's no penalties if the panel violated any part of the, the protocol, the uh, process that they're supposed to be following. The, the process sets a much too high threshold. Essentially, the interference would have to threaten the entire national election and the freeness and fairness of it in order for them to do a public report, which is ridiculous. If it threatens even one candidate, there should be a public mm -hmm. report. There's no deadlines for them issuing public reports uh, and, and informing the public about the interference. And then as, a, as we were just talking about, the assessment process, the, the cabinet gets to choose who assesses it. That's a, a partisan political process. And unbelievably, they chose uh, the former head of the Trudeau Foundation. And yeah. I don't know why they thought anyone would think that that's an independent assessment of whether the protocol and uh, Trudeau's cabinet panel actually worked to uh, effectively stop interference in the 2021 election. So it's just a sad joke, the whole system. Bill C-76 left huge loopholes open and weakened the rules in key ways. And the changes are clear, 
what in terms of what's needed to stop this stuff uh and let's get on with it yeah that would be nice just before i let you go though duff i mean to point out i mean uh michael sona once upon a time uh you know he went to jail for nine months over robocalls um dean del mastro went to jail over violating um fundraising for his campaign i mean th there were serious consequences given to two conservatives who went over the limit or whatever I, I look at this allegation as far more serious um and i think if we can get to the bottom of those things but those took years for elections canada to investigate yes uh it can take a while but um, you know, apparently there are reports out there and CISA should be making all those reports public and that would get the Commissioner of Canada Elections well on her way uh, to investigating these things. Um, as as well, uh, in terms of a change, you mentioned the donations made to the Trudeau Foundation that were very suspicious, uh, including, as the Globe Mail is reporting this morning, from two China-connected businessmen. And those kind of donations should not be allowed. You shouldn't be, if, you, if you're not allowed to donate to a candidate or a party, uh, millions of dollars, you shouldn't be allowed to donate to the favorite charity of uh, a party leader or, or an MP. Those kind of connected donations should also be prohibited um, in, in terms of their size. You could donate a small amount, you know, $7,500. And that's one of the key things as well is lower the donation limit. The donation limit is currently mm -hmm. so high. The spending limits are so high for third parties. It's really easy to collude and funnel money through to candidates and parties secretly and have it very difficult to catch. Yeah. And if hey, you collude, you if you, if you, yeah, go ahead. If, if you collude with a nomination race contestant as a third party, it's actually legal. It's not even illegal for that kind of collusion between interest groups and individuals and nomination race contestants or party leadership contestants, which is a huge loophole in our election yeah. law. Yeah, I think we have way, way too many uh, loopholes. But nonetheless, I guess we're going to get a real exercise um, in how this uh, plays out. I appreciate it, Duff. We'll talk again. I have a feeling. Yeah, and I'm happy to call for a public <laughs> inquiry if these committees and the commissioner don't, do not do their job properly. Yeah, there you go. Well, we might have to. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens. Thanks, Duff. Take care. That is uh, Duff Conacher. So there you go. Um, that uh, filed complaint is now in with uh, elections. Is it Elections Canada? Elections Canada. There's Commissioner of Canada election, elections, and then there's Elections Canada. There's, it's very confusing. But let me just tell you, they, they work at a snail's pace. So <laughs> this investigation should take probably about 20 years. In about 20 years, one of 104, we'll uh, find out. You are listening to Alex Pearson, Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Like many countries around the world, we're looking carefully at how to ensure Canadians are kept safe online. Uh, and we're making the decision that uh, for government uh, employees, for government equipment, it is better uh, to not have them access TikTok uh, because of the concerns uh, that people have in terms of safety. Uh, this may be a first step, it may be the only step we need to take, but every step of the way we're going to be making sure uh, we're keeping Canadians safe. There you go. So as the uh, Prime Minister tries to blunt all these questions about Chinese interference, you know, who knew what and when, we get this news that the Trudeau government 
has proactively banned the Chinese-owned social media app, TikTok. You've been hearing about this certainly um, in the news over the last 24 hours. So if you're a government employee at the federal level, you can't have that thing on your device as of today. And uh, apparently the provincial governments are looking at this as well. The concern, of course, is how China uses the privacy, security, and data collection in favor of them. I mean, they don't let, this is their app, they don't let it in their own country. So you got to wonder, like, if China doesn't allow this in their country, why, why would we want to allow it in ours? But this, of course, is uh, in lockstep with uh, a number of European countries that are banning this. Several U.S. states are also calling uh, for this kind of ban. The FBI wants a, a total ban, uh, last I read. So right now it's just for government devices, but um, if it's so dangerous, should it be gone altogether? Let me ask, uh, Christian Luprecht, professor over at Royal Military College, also expert on security and defense, author of the new book, Polar Cousins, Antarctic and Arctic Geostrategic Futures. He joins us now. Good to have you. Good morning, Alex. All righty. So give me your um, reaction, because uh, this wasn't really on the radar. It's not been a big conversation, certainly in Canada. We've been, we know that the U.S. has been talking about this quite aggressively. But uh, I was a bit surprised to see the speed of this announcement as of yesterday, and it's, it's in effect today. Yeah, I think the timing is unfortunate in the sense that it appears to coincide with the pace at which this has also been moving in the U.S. So there seems to be a broader coordinated effort. Uh, Congress had already voted in December uh, on this issue, and the Biden administration appears to have issued a directive uh, that requires these uh, uh, TikTok to be removed within the next 30 days, basically actioning the vote by Congress. Um, but uh, whether intentional or incidental, uh, it appears that the announcement by the Canadian government uh, now uh, is meant to mitigate some of the fallout from the government looking to slow roll um, the issue of uh, Chinese interference and perhaps offset some of the criticism that they've received. And so uh, inherently, whether that is the government intentionally politicizing the issue of TikTok for its own benefit or the mere appearance of doing so, even though it appears to be doing it in tandem with the United States, uh, just I think the appearance is, of course, unfortunate because, of course, the that file, uh, the China file, has already uh, been too politicized uh, in this country and not uh, enough sensible decisions have been made on the timeline that would have been required. Yeah, there's a couple of different sides of the story, so I'll get to the technology itself and the threat um, in just a minute. But just to kind of expand on what you're talking about as far as the timing and the politics at play here, I mean, the Five Eye partners have made very clear they're not happy with this country, our soft stance on China. You know, they've cut us out of a lot of conversations with, um, you know, national security. Um, so there has been pressure on this government uh, to get tough. And so when they hear about this political interference and all these games, uh, they're watching. Uh, yeah, sure. And I mean, look, if you're China and you're trying to influence the United States, you know it's going to be much more difficult than the United States, given the U.S. Yeah. intelligence apparatus, given that the U.S. has much more rigorous laws on this. Uh, so it doesn't take much to figure out that there's another country on this continent. Uh, and so if you can't get directly at the United States, uh, trying to exert influence in Canada is a is about as good as second best option uh, as is at your disposal. So from a strategic perspective, this shouldn't be a, come as a surprise. And then, of course, if that if that sort of political warfare is part of your grand strategy, 
then you would also want to leverage whatever technology you might have access to. And so this is why it's troubling that it took the Trudeau government years to make a decision on Huawei. Um, mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. it at least appears that the government took quite some time to make a decision on TikTok and possibly is using it for its own political benefit. And, uh, uh, you know, all this is, uh, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't send the right signals. We need to be doing this on principle um, and realizing that uh, China poses uh, and Chinese activities uh, pose a real and grave threat uh, to this country, its democracy, its prosperity, and that these are just part of the broader hybrid gray zone activities below the threshold of armed conflict that China has been waging in terms of political warfare against this country in particular, but against other allies for years. Yeah. And so, you know, when you look at the numbers of how many kids and people use TikTok, which I, I absolutely can't stand, I think it's a cancer on society. So I'm not sad at all about this. It says, you know, it goes against my censorship ways. However, on this app, I don't like it. Um, but it is a very popular 87% of Canadian teens, seven to 17 are on this app. And then you look to the United States. I mean, it's, it's huge. 50 million under 14 are on this app. So they've got a huge audience of, of people who love this, especially the kids. Um, China now looking at the, the ban of the app saying it's an abuse of state power. Um, and so they're not happy about this. But if it's such a threat, um, Christian, why not just get rid of it altogether? Do you see that as ultimately what will happen? Well, of course, the Chinese response couldn't be more hypocritical, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no yeah. reciprocity in that regard in China, right? China is happy to ban access to all sorts of media on mm -hmm. all sorts of completely spurious grounds just because they happen not to be spewing exactly the sort of uh, pro-regime propaganda uh, that China is uh, trying to channel to, uh, to its domestic audience. So, I mean, China has nothing to say on this file. Um, uh, the, um, the, the, so the, the two concerns here are, um, given the large use space of TikTok, um, just having access to the users and the database of users is a, uh, um, is a significant, uh, advantage, uh, from a signals intelligence perspective. Um, and then of course you could get access to the actual data of the users in terms of what they are watching and understand sort of some of the patterns, because if you understand the patterns of what some of these youth are watching, then you can leverage the TikTok app uh, to spread this and misinformation and to influence this younger generation. And of course, China is always playing ahead. Um, you know, if nothing else, then the Chinese are, uh, the Chinese regime is pretty smart about this and has patience um, that it is looking to influence those teenagers from today. Those mm -hmm. are the voters of tomorrow. And so using the TikTok mm -hmm. app and the database that is gathered and their behavior uh, to be very systematic about um, uh, using that to, to uh, further interfere and influence our democratic process. Yeah, when they're 40, these kids will be getting phone calls saying, uh, remember when you did that dance naked? And uh, I've got those pictures. And uh, anyway, um, just quickly before I let you go, Christian, will there be retaliation by uh, China, uh, whether it's over the interference and embarrassing them or coming out or the removal of TikTok? 
Yeah, I mean, look, if we look at the reaction to the balloons, it was pretty modest compared to the way China had come out swinging with its uh, patriotic, nationalist, populist rhetoric in the past. Given mm-hmm. the troubles that Xi Jinping is in, um, the biggest problem for China right now is not Canada making decisions on TikTok. There'll probably be some harshly worded statements, uh, but uh, I think uh, the Chinese regime currently has uh, bigger problems on its hands. Yeah, it's a busy time in the big world of ours. All right, uh, Christian, thanks very much. Take care. We'll talk again. I know that. My pleasure. Take care, Alex. Have a good morning. There you go. That's uh, Christian Leprecht. And if you're interested in his book, it is a new one, Polar Cousins, Antarctic and Arctic Geostrategic Futures. just kind of rolls off your tongue, but you can actually download that. Um, But he writes all about this. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.